we're going to get back to our studies on hell, and uh, we're, we're getting close to the end. I think this is the 25th installment. and we, We're talking about eternal judgment, and we're just going to spend this time discussing degrees of punishment in hell. So we said in our last study, there's no, or not everybody's going to have the same effect and the same experience in hell. Some are going to have worse than others. The old saying that preachers used to use, and there's a fellow I went to school with, he would uh, be preaching on hell, and he'd say something like, you're all going to go to hell. You're all going to fry like sausage. Devil's going to pour hot lead down your throat. And he'd, he'd use that to scare people into coming to Christ for salvation. And a little bit, he was using it in lightness for fun. But for the most part, it's doctrinally wrong because the devil's not going to pour hot lead down your throat. Uh, He's going to be already sentenced. And in hell, we studied this, before men get judged uh, at their eternal judgment. So he will have nothing to do with the administration of the punishment. Notice that most of the ways, which we're about to look at, to make hell hotter for someone are religious sins, are religious in nature. So in other words, these are sins that hinder the work of God in either your own life or the lives of others. And these types of sins are exactly the sins that Satan does when he opposes the kingdom. So let's look at this. Degrees of punishment in hell. Somebody said, I want to have a really hot hell. Well, how foolish is that? But here's how to do it. Number one, be very proud in your doings. Psalm 31, 23, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. The one that's really proud and continues in it, he'll get plenty. He'll get plenty of judgment. His reward will be great. God hates pride more than anything else. So when mere men exalt themselves, you can rest assured they're heaping up judgment to come. The second is when God begins to work in your life and he's talking to you and speaking. Reject the truth and rebel against him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, see, there's your pride, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Do you see this comparison? The people of Sodom and Gomorrah will receive a more lenient judgment than those that saw Jesus in the flesh and all of his great works. It's obvious by these verses that God will be more lenient on those who have never heard the truth and had the great opportunities that others who were exposed to the truth would have. So we're very accountable for the truth we hear. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so it's the doing of the truth and the obeying of the truth is what frees a man. Rejecting what you know will bind you up and cause a harsh sentence at the judgment. Also, seeing God work in other people's lives and watching them change and repent, and yet you reject Him, 
that'll cause a hotter hell and a harsher judgment. These cities that Jesus reproved, they'd all seen the mighty works that he had done in other people's lives. They refused it for themselves. He said they'd be brought down to hell and judged more harshly. The third is to improve it. What's the word? To increase the punishment of hell is knowing what God wants you to do, yet not performing it. You rebel against his will. Luke 12, 46, The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, there it is, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, Jesus said this, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not did commit many things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. How many people say that they know the way of salvation, yet they never get on that way? How many people knew God's will and didn't prepare themselves for the afterlife? Once again, we see that knowledge that we have will make us more accountable to God. Those who never knew the will of God or had an opportunity to serve Him in a Bible-believing church will get a softer judgment than those who had a full exposure to the truth and yet rejected. So truth not lived binds a man. It is the doing of the Word, not the hearing, that brings blessing. So this portion of hell and harsher judgment will come. Number four is to be a false religious leader. Seek glory for yourself. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. It says these false prophets are going to receive the greater damnation. It says this in James chapter 3, verse 1, be not many masters. They will receive the greater condemnation. Teaching God's Word is a dangerous job to take on because we're going to all receive a stricter judgment. We better, in humility, seek the truth and speak the truth right. So whether they're a good teacher or a bad one, it's still a very fearful thing to be a Bible teacher. People... Uh, Better learn this. Peter wrote that these false teachers will have a special reservation of darkness and anguish when they get to hell. And so Jude, in his book, agreed with Peter when he said they will be in blackness of darkness forever. One cannot imagine how angered God will get with these fakes and the judgment he administers upon them. No doubt, listen to this, they will have a spot in the very depths of hell. So this goes right along with it. Number five is to follow these false teachers and become disciples of them. So Matthew 23, 15, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Twofold the child of hell. Huh, think about that. The followers of false teachers are going to have a very harsh judgment. So I think based upon the two things we just said, it's a misnomer to say that people are sincerely wrong. 
The Bible says they're all deceivers. They willingly deceive those that support them. They're not converts. They're subverts, and they turn into perverts. They'll receive their just recompense of reward. So these two-fold child or children of hell will get a greater judgment. Why? They followed the voice of strangers, not the voice of God. I love what Jesus said in John 10, 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. There it is. They had a chance to follow Christ, but followed a stranger's voice instead. The sixth way to have a hotter hell is to prevent other people from converting to Bible Christianity. This one is extremely dangerous. Matthew 18, 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. How many times have we seen people desire to follow Christ, but have family and friends and others that oppose them and try to stop them from following on? This is one of the greatest sins a man can commit. Jesus said they'd be better off having a huge millstone rock tied around their neck and cast into the sea. So this is obvious. Their portion of the pit will be very deep and very dark and very hot. Why? They caused another man or woman to go to hell. How's that going to work up at the judgment? Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.16 that they are forbidding us to speak that they might, that they might the Gentiles could be saved. Why? To fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. What a statement. When a person goes so far as to forbid another to hear the gospel and be saved, they're filling up their sin and they're making their judgment in hell much worse than one could possibly imagine. Number seven, be very harsh and unforgiving in your judgment on other people. Jesus said in Luke 6, notice almost all of these are coming from Jesus' own mouth. Luke 6, 37, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And then he says, For with the same measure that you meet, with all it will be measured to you. So we find here a truth that God will treat us in the same spirit that we exercise on other souls. If you are merciful, you're going to get mercy. Uh, Psalm eighteen twenty five says, if you're pure in your heart, God's going to be very pure and upright to you. But if you're froward in how you treat others, God's going to be froward to you. And so remember, God's observing all of our dealings with man and even the lost. He's heaping up records on all activities. And with what measure you mete out judgment, it shall be measured to you at the last judgment. Number eight, have a hard heart towards God and his word and refuse to repent. This is interesting. Romans 2, 5 says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Why? Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Some people, their whole approach to life with is a stiff neck, not paying attention to God's laws or even the reproofs he puts on them to get them to turn to him. And notice, it's the goodness of God that tries to get us to repent. But with every day of rebellion, they're treasuring up. Notice that word, treasuring up 
wrath against the day of wrath and a huge portion of judgment to come. They didn't have the tender heart that Josiah had to where he prevented judgment from falling upon him. They have a hard heart and don't tremble at God's word. That's why in Isaiah 66, 5, Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy. They shall be ashamed. They're going to tremble at the last when it's much too late and their judgment's already been set and they have a hotter hell because they were hardened towards the work of God and even the love that he showed them to try to get them to turn to him. They rejected. Number nine, here's how to have a hot hell. Get very rich and heap up great riches for yourself and then not use them for God. Use them all for you. James 5, 1 through 3 He tells the rich men to go to and weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon them. Their riches are corrupted. Their garments are moth-eaten. This is is their judgment. Their gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, You and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. This is amazing. You've heaped up treasure. Here it is again. The treasures of wrath that will come at judgment for the last days. They had a golden opportunity to lay hold on eternal life with their money, Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 19, and used that money and riches that God entrusted them for a better purpose, but instead they were high-minded and self-centered. They oppressed the poor and lived in wantonness on the earth. They could have laid up and stored themselves a good foundation for heaven, but chose to lay it up now on earth. Therefore, their riches are going to testify against them at the judgment. And actually will eat on them in eternity. They labored for the wrong thing. Money. Now they'll have to make an eternal restitution. This is what Job said in chapter 20, verse 15. He has swallowed down riches. He shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. That which he labored for shall be he restore. and shall not swallow it down. According to the substance shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein. And this is a man, his final judgment, that was rich. Now, our last one is use your energy and your strength in causing good people to go astray. This kind of goes along with one of the other ones, but it's a little different. Proverbs 28.10, Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. So these are premeditated, carefully planned evil allurements to get an upright man to leave the way of righteousness and follow wicked men. I've had people do this to me or try really hard, especially when I first got saved, to get me to turn back and to get me to go astray in an evil way. And the Lord prevented me from following. And the Lord was really gracious to me. These wicked men, they're digging their own pit in hell. Doesn't it say that? They're going to fall in their own pit. And this pit will be deep and dark. This will be his personal pit within the pit, the huge pit, his own fire within the fires of hell, his own eternity in hell. He will lose everything he asserted himself for while living on the earth and plunging deeper into the nether world. The upright man, on the other hand, will retain what he invested in this life and will enjoy 
good possessions in heaven. So there are many criteria that describe the extent of a man's or a soul's judgment in hell. Uh, the damage a person does is to himself. Now, sometimes he hurts others, and it's ultimately he has no one else to blame. Any finger pointing will not hold up before God, and all the judgments mentioned above, they're self-inflicted. But there seems to be one way that a Christian can actually be involved. He can cause uh, another person to have a harsher judgment. This is interesting. I'll just say this as we end. How can a Christian affect another person's eternal judgment. Now, if you can't win them to Christ and they're wicked and refuse to get saved, we find this principle for the Christian life in the book of Romans. Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but give rather place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. You see that? Coals of fire. So first, we're never to seek revenge for ourselves. We move aside. We let God handle our enemies. And we even pray for them, the Bible teaches. So instead of seeking for vengeance, we offer the opposite. Gentle treatment, gentle care, goodness and repay. Jesus taught for us to pray for our enemies who despitefully use us in Matthew 5:44. You help them when they are in need. These are the wicked that hate God and you. You never render back evil for evil, but care for their physical needs, it says. So in so doing, it says, we will reap coals of fire upon his head. We say that'll really burn them. They'll realize that we were right. Most people say that this good deed that you did uh, in, do, in offering good to evildoers will burn them up and cause them to realize their error and therefore they'll be ashamed and overcome by your goodness. Now, this is a teaching that is true. It very well could be and our motives should be right in this matter to do our best to, through our goodness, turn evil hearts back to Christ. But there's an underlying truth here that's got to be looked at. So there's an Old Testament counterpart to this passage in Romans 12 it's found in Proverbs 25, verse 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, this is your enemy, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So God will reward you for doing the right thing instead of taking matters into your own hands and doing God's work, which is the revenge factor. Remember, we're to give place into wrath and that place goes to God. So when we try to do it ourselves, we anger God very much and it bothers Him. You do your part. So you do your part, let God do His. In Psalm 140, verse 9, it says, As for the head of those who compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into the deep pits, that they rise not again. Now, this is an imprecatory prayer of David's. He's saying, God, those who reject you and your truth and, and uh, attack me, let them have coals of fire burning on their, falling on them, and be cast into the deep pits, never to come up again. In other words, let them go to hell and have a hot hell. That's what David is saying. He's appealing for God to take vengeance for him. This is a picture of David. So, and it tells how God will do it. 
He will literally rain coals of fire down on the enemy's head. This is not figurative. It's going to happen. The only time this ever happened in the whole Bible was in Sodom and Gomorrah when God rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed those cities. Not one time was the prophecy in Psalm 140 fulfilled yet, but it will someday. These are verses that are looking at when a soul is in hell and the trouble that will come on him because he persecuted God's man and God's people. Because David did not defend himself, he relied on God instead. The Lord will bring coals of fire on the head of the enemy after they have gone to hell. They'll be locked, think about this, they'll be locked up in a cell. Fiery brimstone and coals will fall on their head as they suffer. So according to Romans 12, this will happen because a Christian left off defending himself and let God take the vengeance. This is how one could make another have a hotter hell, just by basically living right, doing the right thing. It is very possible they get burned in this life and want to be saved or just get burned in this life and in the one to come. This is Christians should take their walk in life very seriously, realizing that their actions do indeed affect others. We know that those who go to hell are doing eternal damage to themselves and some much more than others. We should be moved with fear to teach these truths to as many as we can because some are heaping up judgment and wrath against the day of wrath for themselves and they're doing it every day. We must strive to win them to Christ so that they can have forgiveness of sin and prepare themselves for heaven. Let's remember this, the degrees of a punishment in hell. Thank you.